Welcome to Pharmacology Daily. Join Dr. Carlos as he discusses the latest research and news in psychopharmacology and illegal street drugs. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're going to be looking at considering several factors when prescribing ADHD treatment. This is an article by Dr. Strawn, S-T-R-A-W-N. The most common treatment for ADHD, as we know, is amphetamine-based and methylphenidate-based compounds known for improving core symptoms of inattention, impulsivity, hyperactivity, and are probably associated with the most efficacy relative to the other interventions. Um... What you're really looking for, we're going to be looking at some of these different medications. Other ADHD pharmacotherapy options include non-stimulant, uh, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, NRIs like uh, atoxamexetine, and alpha-2 agonists like the extended release form of uh, guanfacine and clonidine. All are food and drug administration approved for the treatment of ADHD. When making decisions about formulations for ADHD pharmacotherapy, clinicians should think about whether the patient has issues swallowing tablets or capsules. Tablets, capsules, and chewable, ta- uh, chewable tablets may be appropriate for patients who can easily take their medications. While patients who have problems swallowing may benefit from dissolvable tablets or transdermal applications. Each of these options have differences in terms of absorption, obviously. Also, differences in terms of intestinal transit time in younger children, as well as patients perhaps with irritable bowel syndrome. Different formulations have unique considerations. Liquid formulations have the benefit of making precise adjustments. Sublingual formulations may have quick absorption and onset, and oral dissolvable tablets can improve treatment adherence and reduce misuse of medication. Formulations can be available as a delayed release, extended release, targeted release, or a combination. Ultimately, what this gives rise to is differences in onset of action and duration, as well as differences in the elimination profile of the medication. Transdermal formulations avoid the first-pass metabolism, right, in the hepatic portal system, which may reduce side effects or increase efficacy, but patients converting from an oral formulation may require reducing the dose. It's always important to remember, for example, with something like Daytrana, the transdermal methylphenidate formulation, if we're converting a patient from an oral methylphenidate, we need, roughly need to use half the dose for the transdermal. For combining ADHD medications for children and adolescents with ADHD, Atomoxetine is a non-stimulant, that's A-T-O-M-O-X-E-T-I-N-E, FDA-approved treatment option. seems to be effective not just in terms of total ADHD symptoms, but also in terms of hyperactive and impulsive symptoms, as well as the inattentive symptoms. Pharmacogenetics can be a guide for selecting this drug for a patient with ADHD. What is most relevant is the way in which pharmacogenetics can actually help guide the dosing, which then optimizes tolerability, potentially efficacy of atomoxetine. Uh, this drug is pretty extensively metabolized by CYP2D6, and it's of one of about 300 medications that actually has specific labeling from the FDA on dosing based on genotype. It recommends a slower titration as well as a lowered target dose of atomoxetine in individuals who are P450 2D6 poor metabolizers relative to those patients who are ultra-rapid or normal metabolizers. Atomoxetine is most often combined with methylphenidate and has some evidence of benefit in children or adolescents who do not have adequate response to stimulants alone. So that was just kind of a little brief guide of 
what we're doing uh, in regards to treatment for ADHD individuals. Thanks for listening.